Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. All throughout Scripture, there's different passages of Scripture throughout, especially the, the New Testament, that would really kind of tell us and, 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 and lay out in Scripture form as to who we are as a church and what it is that we are to do. And I, I like to take that as much as I can, as personal as I can, because regardless of how we look at it, you can look at the church as, as a building, though most of you would say, no, we are the church, but many people would look at it as a building. Many people would look at it as the, the body, the context of the body, and some people, the reality of it is, just look at the church as the pastor and whoever's on staff and the deacons, and, and those are the ones that are the church, and those are the ones that are really supposed to be really godly and, and godly examples and all of those things, and yes, we are, however, I believe that there's an individual responsibility that comes within the body of the church, and many times we, we try to... We try to push that off on somebody else as opposed to taking that full responsibility. And so we're going to look at a several things this morning. But the first passage that we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16 through 20, which is a familiar passage that's probably the most famous of the, the great commission passages, which is what we are called to do and where we're called to go and how we're to do those things. And it's something, it's one of the passages that probably many of you in this room could quote with me. But I'm going to read through these few verses this morning, and then we're going to get into the, uh, the, the, the depth of the message. But in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This morning, as we look at this passage, this is, again, one of those passages of scriptures when it comes to, to church and, the, and the, the mission of the church and the commission of our church and where we are to go. It's always one of those ones that it's always brought up. And we're going to spend just a few moments on it. But, but I think that many times we do a, a pretty decent job at the going portion of it. We like to, we, we do okay at taking our invite cards and giving it to somebody. This morning I, I uh, did my normal routine I woke up and I did my routine and I leave the house and on my way here, conveniently, there is a McDonald's at the corner of Sunset and Stephanie. McDonald's, if you did not know, maybe you should try this, has the greatest Coca-Cola in all of the world. I don't care what you say, there is no better. And I happen to have an addiction and that is my problem. And so I'm confessing that to you, and I'm just letting you also know that I recognize the problem, and it isn't stopping anytime soon. So either way, I go through, and I, I pull through the drive through and by this time, I go there frequently enough that I know the managers. I know most of the staff who give me my drinks every day, and uh and, but this morning, I come to the first drive-thru window to pay, and, 
and I'm dressed as I am, and the guy says, and I don't know this guy, that's kind of interesting, but I, I, I go and I, I give him my card, he said, well, you have a large Coke, and I always do it in a styrofoam cup, because it's always, it lasts a little bit longer, the ice stays, anyway, so I go through, and I, I give him my card, and he says, oh, you're on your way to church, well, yeah, I'm on my way to church, and he says, he says, I don't get off until two, but I just moved into town, and I'm hoping to find something for the evening service. I haven't found anything. And so in my, what I do, I reach in my center console, I grab an invite card, I grab my business card, I said, hey, I'm a pastor of a church, and we're literally like a stone's throw from where you are. And I said, we have a service, our, our Bible study will start tonight at five o'clock, I would love to have you. We are typically pretty good at that. Most church-going people have no problem saying, hey, we'd love to have you at church. We oftentimes fail when you come down to the depth of what some of this is, and what we are called to do is to make disciples. And so as we look at, as we, as we look at our mission and, and what Oasis is, is to be and who we are called to be, our, our mission is that we would be and create passionate followers of Christ, that we would be a passionate follower of Christ. And so over the next several weeks, I want to look at what that is to be a passionate follower of Christ. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like in my life? What does that look like as a church, as we go and as we strive to do something? Uh, we've just moved into a new facility. We've got new neighborhoods or new neighbors, and, and we're trying to do um, some things. If, if you've been around here any time, we've kind of been in flux for a long time, ready to get out of a building. Then we go to a school, and, and coming into here as this has been uh, being built out, and, and we're, we're still hoping to finish the floor soon and do some things that we're still doing. But regardless, we've kind of been in this thing for a couple years of we know we're leaving one facility and we're know we, we know we're going somewhere. But in the middle, we were kind of like, where is that and what are we doing? So we've tried to have church and we have had church. Through that time, my goal has been that we would grow as individuals, that we would grow our, our, the spiritual side of things. And but as we come to this place, as we move to this location at 1620 West Sunset, Suite 100. I always forget that on the address, the mailing side of things. But as we come here, what does that look like to reach our neighbors? What does that look like to, to go and do these things? See, my goal as a pastor is to lead to the best of my ability this church that I believe with all of my heart, God called me to. That's my goal. My goal is to try to lead you spiritually. My goal is to try to provide avenues that you can fulfill the commission that God has called you to specifically. See, my my calling and my uh, vocation is that God has called me into ministry. And when I, I've shared many times some of my, my testimony, but God called me to do something. And I believe that that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm learning and I'm trying to figure this thing out. But as I am here, I believe God has called me to lead Oasis Baptist Church. And so as we're moving forward, you all have different spiritual gifts for those of you that know Christ as Savior. You all have different calls. Some of you are, are uh, mechanics. Some of you work in offices. Some of you work uh, through schools. 
Some of you work in many different ways. Some of you are retired. Regardless of what that is, your call is where your call is. And my job and my, what I believe my call is to, to lead this flock, to lead this group of people, is that I would provide avenues of growth and outreach for you. So we're going to do that through small groups and we're going to do that through Bible study and we're going to do that through reaching into our community and we're going to do that through all of these different things and we're going to, we're going to try to the best of our ability to create an avenue that you can share Christ and that you can grow. But at the end of the day, I can try to lead and I can try to lead. It comes down to you and I as individuals being and living the Christ-centered life and being the church. That's what it comes down to. And for these next several weeks, starting this morning, my goal is that I would, yes, provide you with who we are as a church and what I believe and where we, I believe we are going. But really, it comes down to where is my personal growth and how am I personally engaged in doing that in the local body that God has placed me in? If you are sitting here as a member of Oasis Baptist Church, then you are standing in front of all of your other uh, membership, or if you are called here, whatever that is, that you would say, yes, God called me to the membership of Oasis Baptist Church. So how can you engage in that? And over the next several weeks, my goal is to help showing those things. Before I jump into my points this morning, I I believe we looked at Matthew 28 in the few verses there. But let let me go to a couple things that this becomes personal to all of us. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, it says, Go you or go ye into all the world. And it says what? Preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, in verses 46 and 47, I don't know if both of them are up there, and says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it be, uh, behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And here's where it is. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So if we were to look at just those two verses or those three passages of Scripture, it says, go into all the world and preach and teach and make disciples in in Matthew 28. In Mark 16, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, it says, what are we preaching? The repentance and remission of sins among all nations. I get that today in age, or today it's, not popular, I'll say this, it's never been popular to preach the gospel message of Jesus Christ no matter where you are. It's never been popular. Regardless of how we like to look at it in 2016. In the 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and on before then, it has always been unpopular to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's what we've been called to do. And so this morning and for the next several weeks, I'm going to look at how we as Oasis, at Oasis Baptist Church, what are we going to do as passionate followers of Christ? Father God, this morning, I just ask you to meet with us again. I pray that you would use your word to speak into our hearts. And God, that you would have gone before to prepare the hearts of those that are here today. Lord, there may be some that are seeking out a church, and maybe this morning it would be one that they're able to see and kind of hear a little bit different and more of my heart as to to who Oasis is. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that does not know you as Savior, and they may come to know you. 
But God, I pray that we would open our hearts, open our eyes, our ears to listen to what you would have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. My first point this morning is this, the foundation has to be love. The foundation has to be love. If we're looking at uh, being a passionate follower of Christ, and this morning we're looking at our, our passionate mission, today our foundation has to be love. If we were to go to Mark chapter 12, I'm going to go through a few different verses this morning, um, but Mark chapter 12, starting in verse number 28, it says this, and this is a, a very familiar uh, context or passage of scripture, but it says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28, It says, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this. Thou shalt love, the na- love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And if we look at these things this morning, and I know I didn't finish that out. But if we look at these things this morning, our foundation has got to be that of love. And I'm not, I'm not this morning, I, I promise you, some people... This, this, the message is not this this morning, that I'm just telling you, oh, just love Jesus because Jesus loves everybody. That's really not the point. But at the same time, really as a believer, if we can grasp a hold of the reality that God loves us, but that I am to love him, I'm promising you it will radically change everything you do in your life When you begin to wholeheartedly just love the Father. I promise you. Because see, love does something within us that nothing else can do. Love will cause you to do something that you never ever thought that you would do. You watch TV if you're like me and you're up on a Friday or a Saturday night or on a Sunday afternoon or whatever... What is always on ABC or NBC, I don't know which channel it is, but it's coming about 9 o'clock at night on a Friday or Saturday night is always what? 2020, 60 Minutes, somebody killed somebody, we're going to investigate what happened. How many of those are most often some form of family situation that revolves around what? Love. Many of them are affairs, many of them are financial, whatever it would be. But love causes us to do some crazy things. Think about this. If we would just fall in love with God the way that God has intended us to fall in love with him, how our lives would be completely radically different. So this morning I could preach an entire sermon or more on this passage of loving God and giving him and loving him with all of our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength. And loving our neighbor, we've, we, I had a, a, a friend of mine, a pastor, a, a missionary come in just several, I guess about a month, month and a half ago, two months ago, whatever it was, that came in and he, hey, love your neighbor. He kind of taught on some of that and we could go through those. But let me, let me take you, let me, I'm just going to give a very, very common, I guess you could say, illustration of this. And I want you just to stop and think about your Christian life for just a moment. If our foundation has to be love, let me just paint this little picture for you. This is not my story. 
This is not an illustration of anything that I have encountered in counseling, but just think about this. A pastor sitting down, counseling a couple. The husband makes great money. He travels the country for business. His wife has the nice home. His wife has a nice car. His wife has great clothes and jewelry. She gets flowers sent to her. But his home is starving for her husband, or the wife is starving for her husband's time. She tells him, I just want you to love me, to meet my emotional needs. His response is, look at all that I do for you. You don't complain about our big vacations overseas. You don't complain about the new car. You don't complain about the jewelry. You don't complain about any of those things that I give to you. To most of us in this room, we would say, well, that's a pretty easy marital counseling conversation right there. Dude, you just need to come home and you need to spend time with your wife. Your wife does not want your money. Your wife wants you. We would all say that. Everybody that sits in this room would say that same exact thing. Hey, dude, come on. Your wife doesn't want your money. Listen, your kids don't want your money. They don't want another iPod or they don't want another iPhone or they don't want another watch and they don't want another video game and they don't want all of that stuff. Yes, they will ask for those things, but that's not what they want. They want you. Yesterday, I'm sitting on the couch and I just wanted to watch football. Though it was horrible football yesterday. I just wanted to watch football and so I'm sitting on the couch And my daughter has the whole living room set up as her little kitchen area or restaurant. And so I'm sitting on the couch. I made just enough room for me. And I'm sitting there and she says, hey, dad, why don't you come out and jump on the trampoline with me? And I'm like, I just want to sit here. And she sat and she began to bug me. And she said, well, dad, can you just be my customer? How do I say no to my Little Brindley, Dad, can you just be my customer? So I get off the couch, and I sat behind what she had her table, which was just a pillow, and I sat there Indian style, and I presumed to be her customer, and I ordered a burger, and I ordered French fries, and I ordered a ginger ale because I wanted to throw her off, and I ordered something, and she came, and she would get it to me, and she brought me desserts. And all of my kids have always done this. All the girls have always done these things. But you know what she wanted? She just wanted me. Period. Listen, I hope this makes sense because this has really done a number of things in my mind. God doesn't want anything but you. Here is what we have done. Here is what I have done. I will stand in front of you and say, I have made my Christian life so much about legalism and actions and actions and actions and actions and actions and actions. And I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this because I got to make God happy. Listen, here's what makes God happy. When you give him your heart and you love him and you just spend time with him. He doesn't want everything else, just like our children, just like your spouse. Listen, I don't make all the money in the world to provide all the nice things that Mindy might dream of having, though I'm glad I just married a simple farm girl. I love it. You know what? I can buy my wife a car. 
I can buy my wife all of the clothes and all of the things that she may want to have. But if all I did was sit at my office and never come home, she wouldn't care. She would just want my time. Listen, this morning, I, I, hope, that, I hope that this makes sense. We, well, just the, the heart of the passionate follower, the heart of that for you and I is that minus, minus just love, you can come to church, listen, and, and please, I hope this comes off. God does not care if you serve 5,000 hours of nursery duty. God does not care if you gave $5 million in the offering plate. God does not care if you taught more Sunday school classes than anybody else in the world. God does not care about all those things. God simply wants you. He doesn't doesn't care that I'm a pastor. Can you believe that? He doesn't care that I'm a pastor. He does not care that my my profession says clergy or my profession says theology or whatever that is. People ask me all the time, well, you're a pastor, so you have to be really smart about the Bible. (laughs) Ha ha! Fooled you. No, he, he doesn't care about that stuff. Here's what he cares about. That the foundation of my life is the I simply love him. See, because I can give him everything. But if I don't love him, all of the things that I give him are nothing more than me playing the legalistic religious game. See, and in our circles of church, we look at legalism and we go, well, it's all about how I dress and it's all about that I don't have hymns or I have hymns. No, that has nothing to do with Legalism is this, guys. Legalism is this. When you act your faith... And you don't love God. That's it. We just put rules in how we are to do it. Yes, in church world, it's a lot of different things. But the reality is, if I act out things because I think I'm going to make God happy, and I don't love, I'm just playing the religious game. God says, love me. With all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And out of that is natural that I love my neighbor. Love me. As I was looking at this different stuff and studying some of this, there were some things that I looked at that were just awesome. We are to love him, and based on the love, then we do other things. We are his bride and his bride. And as his bride, he isn't looking for me to, to be a maid for him. He's looking for me to be his bride who loves him and is consumed with him. Loving God is both the beginning and the end of a relationship with God. It is what it is to be a believer in God. It is what it means to be a Christian, to be a lover of God. It is the most defining attitude that we can express in explaining who we are. If somebody were to ask you, what does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a Christian? The foundational piece, it means to be a lover 
of God. And though we love him imperfectly, we seek to love him perfectly and long for the realization of that perfect love in glory which is to come. Our passion this morning has to start with a genuine love for him. Second point is when we love, we desire to obey. I think if there's been one thing that I've heard throughout my Christian life, and I've probably said it myself as a young person, is that Christianity is just a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. How many of you have heard that? Well, I don't want to be a part of that because it's just all this, all this, I just have to do all of these things. I have to do this and I have to do that and I, I, have, to, I have to quit having fun. Anybody heard that? I don't want to be a Christian because if I become a Christian, then I can't have fun anymore. I'll promise you, in my Christian life, I've had a lot of fun. I really have. And, and even on top of that, I remember it. Did you ask anybody how their uh, holiday was? Hey, how was your New Year's? I don't know. They said I had a good time, right? (laughs) Hey, I remember the fun that I had. Some of the greatest things that I've ever done in all my life were because I was just serving God. But here's at the heart of it. If the foundation is that I would love God, that I would genuinely love him, and I recognize, and I know I may be using this illustration out, but if I recognize God doesn't want my stuff, God doesn't want my money, God doesn't want my time, God doesn't want, he just wants me. And when I come to recognize that, I can also realize then that it's not about the do's and the don'ts. I naturally have a desire to obey him. Because it's no longer about those other things. In John chapter 14 and verse number 15, again, familiar passages of scripture, but John 14 and verse 15, it should be on the screen. But if ye love me, what does it say? Keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may be or may abide with you forever. But if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 3, a verse that says basically the same thing. For this is the love of God that we what? Keep his commandments. And his commandments, look at that last line there. His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not painful. You know what? There's things in the last, has it been 14 years? The last 14 years of my life that I have done because I love my wife. And many of you have done the same thing. There's been commitments that you have made and there's been commitments that you've kept. And it's not grievous, it's not painful, it's not a burden to do those things. Listen, it is not a burden for me to love my wife. It is not a burden for me to help her. It is not a burden for me to do the things that I am supposed to do and that I'm called to do as the man in my home. It's not a burden. I love it. Listen, I really, really didn't want to get down on the ground last night. 
and to be my daughter's customer at whatever restaurant she was doing. I really didn't want to. But you know what? At the end of the day, it wasn't a burden for me. It wasn't something that was painful. It was a little bit because I don't incident Indian style much anymore. But it wasn't all of those things. I did it because I love my daughter. So when it comes to our fellowship and it comes to our relationship with God, it should not be something. Why? Because I love God. I keep those commandments and it's no longer grievous. It's not painful. It's not burdensome. Hey, it's no longer. We can't say anymore, well, all these do's and don'ts that I have to abide by, all the thou shalt nots and the thou shalt nots and... You know what? At the end of the day, you should never have to go and stand before somebody and say, well, does the Bible say that I can't do that? How far really can I take this? No, if you love God, you know in your heart where the right and the wrong lies. Period. It always drove me nuts when a teenage couple would say, well, I'm not having sex, so how far can I go? Listen, you do the same thing. You just don't ask that question. Just being honest, because I've counseled with lots of people. And we ask questions that we know in our hearts, but we try to get around it, because God's word doesn't say specifically what you're trying to get at. When we love God in our heart and everything about us is just to pour out our love to God and God, I want to give you my life and God, I want to do these things. It is natural that the desire of my heart is to be obedient to him and it is no longer burdensome. And God begins to take away all of those things that we used to think that we needed to be a part of. God does those things and he, he gives that to us. What does it mean that I would give him everything. Let me share this with you. I'm going to read just a, a part of a book that I've been reading. And this jumped out at me, especially in this area, as I look at the, the obedience and the desire to love God and what that looks like for me as an individual and as a, as a person and how I read God's word and how I do different things. This particular gentleman was sharing a time of a thing of his, but he says, one time I participated of a men's retreat that was a few days long. The first night I was getting prepared to go to bed and I found a love note from my wife. The next morning I found another the next night, another. And with each passing day, the notes became more mushy. I don't know what that means, but that's okay. And he says, on the last day, I found the last one. And it was the clincher, as it had her perfume on it. What effect do you think that had on me? What would you think if I pasted them on a noteboard, then went home and ignored my wife, went to my room, hung up the poster board so I could read them daily? You would think... I lost my mind. See, the letters are great, but the only, they only serve to draw my emotion and devotion to my wife. What are those letters? Those letters draw me in. If Mindy, I do this when I travel, Mindy always puts a couple notes or the kids put a couple notes in there. They always remit, they take me right back to home. 
Every time. It draws my emotion and it draws my compassion and my love for my wife or for my children. It always takes me right back there. But if I took all of those and what it's saying is I, I put it on a poster board and I just put it on my wall and every day I went and looked at them and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I never spoke to my wife and I never had a relationship with my wife. What are those for? Do you think it's any different? We post a Bible up on our wall. A love letter from our father, a love letter from our wife, so to speak, a love letter from one of your children while you're gone. And it's to draw my emotion. It's to draw my devotion. It's to draw me in that I would love him more, that I would seek him more. Those letters are that when I come home, I'm going to spend time with this woman. I am reminded I love her. I love her. I want those times. I want that. And when I read God's word so many times, I post it up on my wall and I look at it and I say, wow, that's really cool. And then I walk away and never do another thing with it. These letters, this word of God is to draw me in. It is I would fall deeper in love, just like a love letter. How many of you when you were dating, you used to write love letters to your spouse? Three of you, awesome. (laughs) You know what? I wish I was as good today at writing love letters to my wife as I was when we were dating. I really do. And this was kind of a joke, but it really kind of punched me in the gut. The other day, we were cleaning out the garage, and Mindy goes, yeah, these are the love letters. She has a box of whatever I wrote her, which would probably be really funny to read. And she said, these are the letters that you used to write me. It's a little bit of a punch in the gut, but you know the reality is, I wrote those, I wanted to impress, I wanted to do all those things because it was fresh, it was new. Hey, I love her 8 million times more today than I did when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. I promise. You know what, let me ask you this. Do you love him more today than the day that you said, yes, I do? God, I am giving you my life. Do these letters from God, do they bring an emotional draw? Do they bring you back to him and just make you want to fall upon your face and say, oh, God, I need you. God, I love you. They bring me in. Why? What are they doing? They are bringing me to a place of deeper love where I can draw in, where I love him more. And the more that I draw in, the more that I love him, the more I desire to be obedient to him. And it's no longer a burden. It's no longer a, a pain for me to love him and to do the things that he's called me to do. The more I grow, the more I'm learning of God's grace. And trying to understand that in this Christian life, that the Christian walk is not about what I do but about knowing him. The word obedience sounds horrible in our day and age. You mean I'm supposed to obey? It's become a bad word. But the reality is, it's really almost not even obedience. (laughs) I just love you. I'm faithful to my wife because I love my wife. I work hard to provide for my family because I love my family. I love my wife. I try to, we try to do things. We, why? Because I love them. 
Why would I treat God less than how I try to treat my spouse in love? But I do. I do. And as I've been reading and as I've been studying and as I've been looking at what this is, this grace, this grace life, this being obedient, this giving my life to him. The love draws deeper the more that I intimately spend time. And that's the same with your physical relationships as it is with your walk with God. It's not enough to just say I read three chapters this week. I hope that you have some type of a Bible reading plan. I don't know how many of you started off the new year and you're eight days in and you're like, yes, I've read everything so far and I'm doing awesome. I'll finish, maybe this is bad, I don't know. I'll finish my 2016 Bible reading plan this week. Partially because I started late, but at any rate, you know what? God doesn't care about my Bible reading plan, and if I finished it on time. You know what God wants? My time. He wants me. That's what he wants. And in that time, as I grow with him, listen, for you, your intimacy with God might be one verse tomorrow morning that literally rocks your world for the next three or four days. And that one verse may do more for you than me reading 35 chapters next week. It's not about that, the quantity. We have made it about quantity. We have made it about this year I've got to read through the Bible throughout the year. And this year I have to pray 30 minutes a day. And this year I have to do this. No, God wants you to love him. As you love him, you obey him. As you love him, you desire to do those things. And then my last point this morning is the Great Commission was never intended to be done alone. This walk was never intended to be done alone. In Matthew 28 and verse number 20, uh, if we were to go to the very last part of that, cha- that passage of Scripture, he says, if I can find, I know it's up on the screen, but he says this, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and it says this, and lo, what? I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus said, hey, go, go do all of these things. Go do this and go make disciples and go baptize and go and go and go. And he says, but listen, I will be with you always until the end of the world. He didn't say, listen, disciples, hey, you got to come in close. Let me share this with you. Now go. And I hope you do well. He didn't do that. Hey, what have you told your kids? When your kids hit 18, I think we all at some point have laughed. Yes, my kids will be 18 and they'll be out of the house. And we'll kind of have those jokes, you know. I don't know one person who's been like, yep, my kid turned 18. Locked the door, shut the door, changed my phone number. Now, what do we do? I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I can't pay your bills. I'll try to help where I can, but I'm here. I'm here. I'll never forget moving out of the house. I'll never forget being on my own for those first few times, and I'll I'll never forget some of those times. 
But I'll also never forget when I was like, uh, mom, dad, never experienced this one before. Hey, what do I do in this situation? Hey, dad, how do I fix this? Dad, what can we do in this situation? Whatever that might be, my parents are still there. I'm 36, and I'm fortunate that my, both, my, both my parents are alive, and I'm very close with my parents. But you know what? The reality is this. I can still pick up the phone call, or the phone, and give them a call. And maybe you'd say, well, my parents have passed on. There's still people. Or if your parents were still alive, some of you that sit in here, and you're in the mid-70s or in your 80s, You would say that, yep, if my parents were alive today, I could pick up the phone, and if I had a question for them, they would answer it. How much more does our Heavenly Father? He's there with you. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says it even a little bit more deep and more intimate. But ye shall receive power. You will have, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. That the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in the othermost parts of the earth. He did not say, All right, Aaron, I'm gonna let you, you're gonna be the pastor of this church, and I hope you really do it well and try really hard. And one day when you get in heaven, you can ask me all the questions that you need to ask me, and I'll try to answer them for you. He said, I'm going to be with you always. Hey, I'm going to hang out with you. And when you have questions, you ask. And when you're unsure of things, you ask. Not only that, he lives within me and guides and directs me. And he gives me a peace and he gives me a comfort. When I'm unsure of things, when I don't know the decision to make, he says, hey, Aaron, it's okay. Because I've told you to go. And I also told you I'd be here with you, and here I am. How many times has, have you just felt the hand of God just kind of carry you along? Man, I can count countless times. If I were to just go back and, if I were to just go back over the last four years of my life, I just feel sometimes like it's just one miracle after another of God saying, all right, do that. And I'm like, oh my word, what are we going to do? And God just says, it's all right. Hey, I've got you. Listen, this morning, we have a commandment to go. We have a commandment to make disciples, but it starts with a passion to be a believer in Christ that starts with love. And in that love, I desire to be obedient. And in that love, I recognize that I am not in this thing all alone, nor did he ever tell me to do it all alone. Listen, there's a couple passages of Scripture in my closing this morning that are verses that always challenge me. One of them is Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37, 38. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest, into his harvest. And then in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Whom shall I send and who, shall, or who will go for us? And Isaiah said, then said I, here am I, 
send me. You know, this morning, these are verses that are well known. These are verses that are often taught when it's that time of disciple or that time of like uh, missions or something of that nature. Hey, we're going to, there's the harvest, there's plenty of, you know, we go through all those things. But you know, the reality is this. I don't have to tell you that there's a lot of people out there that need Jesus. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you that you have been called by God to go. But what I encourage you to do is that you would say, God, I'm a little shy today. I'm a little nervous, but I'll go. I'll go to my neighborhood. I'll go to my place of employment. I'll go to my family. I'll go to wherever it is that you have called me to go. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know what to say or how to say it. But I'm trusting that you said you'll be with me always. And you said you will fill me with the power that I need. And I will go. Let me ask you this morning. Will you? Will you go? Will you stand with me as the pastor of this church and me as the pastor leading you and doing my best to guide this church? And as I say, there's people outside of these walls that need a savior. Will you go with me? Will you fight? Will you hold my hands up? I'm telling you, I'm ready to go. I've met with our deacons several times in the last several months. I'll promise you, those deacons are ready to go to fight. I've met, we met yesterday with our finance team. The finance team is ready to go and to continue to reach people. Hey, I've met with those that are leading small groups and I've met with those that are teaching Bible studies and other leaders within our church and from everything that I have gathered and from all the conversations I've had, people are ready. Are we ready to go? In February, we're going to have a first baptism here. How many people are going to be in it? How many of you are going to bring somebody with you that needs it because you've recently led them to the Lord? There's some of you that sit in here that have been saved over the last several months and we haven't had the baptism and we haven't done some of those things. One, I apologize, but will you be bold enough to go? It doesn't take me. It takes all of us. Are you willing to go? Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.